Welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. You're welcome on in indeed. As always, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be in your ears for another episode as we battle this isolation and beat it into submission. Staying busy, keeping strong, keeping the mind and body able. And dare I say it, it's almost, almost becoming a wee bit normal. Here's what's coming in today's episode. We'll have a look around at what's worth looking at and listening to in the podcast and Netflix world. We'll talk about what's popular and what's not. And joining me on this episode, silent assassin, Ryan O'Rourke, standout amateur, having just turned over. He's gone 3-0 and in less than three months. Amateur boxing career in November and then in January, I'm a professional athlete. So I kind of haven't really had time to sit down and think about it, just straight back into it. Just boxing, really. I don't really look as an amateur or pro. I just look at it as boxing. And he joins me to talk about his dreams, his highs, his lows, and what the future holds. Also joining me is friend of the podcast, Dennis Hogan. Chatted a few weeks back, just as COVID-19 started to take hold. He was rehabbing a slight injury. He talked about the Charlo fight. He talked about looking back over Munguia. And in general, a colossal 2019 for the hurricane, Dennis Hogan. And I have to say all credit to him and his team. How he, when he hit me with the, on the fourth round with that shot, that was so well planned. I don't think anybody that wasn't in the position that I was in, in the ring, would really have known how masterful that shot was. Before I get into the shout-outs this week, I want to say a huge thanks to everybody that was in touch uh, after last week's episode. Roy Sheen has proven to be way, way, way ahead as in far as popularity and downloads and everything else for the episodes we've done so far. And it's it's very fitting. It's very fitting as well. He's a phenomenal fella. Humble, honest and as real as you get. And it's a trait that we've got with many, if not all, of our guests so far on Enswell Boxing. It's hard to explain the amount of goodwill and the amount of love that's been shared for Roy. And, and I've seen how much it means to him. And that in itself makes it all worthwhile. So keep it going. If you haven't heard it already, I'll put the ep- I'll put the link for last week's episode with Roy in today's show notes. And don't be afraid to get in touch. He's enjoying the interaction with the fans. And it's given him that little bit of extra drive as if he needed it to get himself back for when all this craziness ends. And, and let's, let's think positive and let's look at the big picture. That when this lifts, we've got a, a Roy Sheen that's got the medical clearance to go back to doing what he did and we see what we saw in the last man standing well then we already know what we're in for the nearest close circle of Roy Sheen know what what to expect but the boxing public at wide in in the wider world well they're in for a real surprise so shout out again to you all thanks a million to Roy thanks a million to everyone that's been in touch and look forward to hearing more from you in the near future Shout outs today. If I leave anyone out, get in touch, let me know. It's not intentional. It's not been done with anything else. Only there's just been a massive amount this weekend. It's trying to get through them all and trying to get a couple of episodes in the can as well. Because who knows what's going to happen next with this thing. You just, just don't know. You just don't know. So thanks and thanks indeed to Owen Lavin, Wayne Alexander and Dylan Morn who are quick off the mark last week to send a few messages. Thanks a million lads. Always appreciate it. Belated happy birthday to the main woman herself up in County Monaghan, Anya Garvin. Hope those beers were extra cold for you, Anya. I hope you had a super isolated birthday, as best it could be. 
shout out as well and thanks to Desi, Shane Rudd, Sarah McCoy and to Jackie and Doug who reached all the way across the Atlantic and got in touch with me on Wednesday night from Canada to say hello and to they had been listening in and we were chatting about isolation and how it was treating them. Doug is a coach in Canada. He was over here in 2016. So thanks Doug. Look forward to chatting to you a little bit more. Dean Byrne, Niall Kennedy, Davy and Kyle Smith and family up there in Belfast. Thanks you guys for getting in touch. Richard Towers, Joy, Siobhan, Dobbo and the gang. Joey is Siobhan, but just in case anyone didn't know, down in Australia, thanks a million lads for getting in touch. Dobbo back to work this week. Stay safe, stay sane, Dobbo, as best you can. Look after the gang. Dee Taggart, always love hearing from you, Dee. It's always a privilege. Dara Crohor is a journalist friend of mine who is always, always close at hand to reply with advice, to offer critique where need be. And it's always welcome and it's always well received. And has been for a very long time now. So shout out to you, Dara. Glad you enjoyed that episode. Dara is a fan of Roy. He's been helping Roy's career, I suppose, from a journalist point of view, uh, from the early days. So thanks for that. Aidan Quinlevin taught me to play drums many, many years ago as a young gossoon in Newbridge. And he's a phenomenal drummer. And he's been listening in lately as well. So thanks, Aidan, for your messages. Always appreciate it. Kieran Farrell in Manchester chatted to him on... Saturday, Sunday night. Keep an eye on what Kieran's doing. Phenomenal ideas. Always innovative and always looking for ways to help and improve his fighters and to keep them in the best possible frame of mind. So watch out, Kieran. Thanks a million for getting in touch. Look forward to chatting to you some more and anything I can do, you know where I'm at. Henry Coyle, Irish boxer, of course, from the west of Ireland. Sligo, I believe, was in touch from all the way from Chicago. We'll be chatting with Henry really soon, so thank you for your messages. And to anyone I did forget or left out, as I said, it's not intentional, it's not meant for any reason or anything else, give me a shout, let me know, kick my ass and remind me. And last, but by no way least, a big shout out, a big happy birthday. 22 on Wednesday, my man, the G-Train, all the way down there in Limerick. He's keeping fresh, he's keeping ticking over, he's keeping trim. He's all the way down to super heavyweight now and he'll be ready to go. He's 22 years of age and he's me. He's hungry and he's the Irish Tiger King. (laughs) Happy birthday, Graham. Something you won't hear me say or do too often on this podcast is agree with Chris Eubank Jr. But his comments lately on boxers obsessing themselves with the diva that is Canelo, uh, Golden Child, Alvarez. He was right to say that, that too many fighters are holding on almost in a circling pattern, a holding pattern, and almost begging for the big payday from the ginger one himself. The likes of Kelbrook did with Amir Khan, and of course, as Amir Khan did with Pacquiao and Floyd himself, they just became hung up, obsessed, and almost distracted, trying to get that big career payday, but it never came for them. And with the more I think the more you chase and beg Canelo, the more less likely you are to get it. So Eubank was correct, I believe, in saying that they should make themselves impossible to ignore get ahead with their career, fight whoever they have to fight, win whoever, whatever fights to win, and see what happens. And look, if you are if you don't get the payday, well then you don't get it. But if you busy yourself by bettering yourself and making your own career better, well then, it's going to be very hard for him to ignore. But my respect and interest in Canelo is gone. Gone. Of course, a phenomenal fighter, fantastic fighter, supremely talented, but too many question marks and too many diva issues around him for me. But I'm sure he's not too worried what I think. Wilder's latest excuse for his destruction at the hands of the Gypsy King. What is it this time? Oh, it's a bicep injury. Yep. Okay, Deontay. Cool. See you soon, mate. Maybe. Joe Calzaghi, Carl Froch have been at it again, of course, this time on anti-social media. 
12 years retired is Calzaghe which is it's kind of hard to believe when you think about it and Frotch I'd say must be 4 or 5 gone at this point but they've never they've never loved they've, there's never been any love lost between the two of them they've always had that what if hanging over them and, and I suppose it's one for the boxing fantasists for me it was always a fan of both and for me it's always a win for Calzaghe in his prime against Frotch in his prime a phenomenal fight a one that Calzaghe would have won all day every day and twice on a Sunday He's usually class above. He's usually not too quick to respond. He tends to go high when Frotch goes low. But this time, perhaps the last few weeks and months, he's had some devastating losses in his family life as both his mum and his dad have passed. And maybe it's just coming at the wrong time and he saw fit to respond. But I don't think it'll... Nothing, I don't ever want to see it fight. I don't want to see either of them fight because it's not going to have any bearing on either of their legacies. I don't think it will have any reflection on how it may have played out when both in their prime. But... Still nice to funny to read, enjoyable at times because both of them were sharp with their tongue, never backwards in coming forward. Elsewhere, that deplorable septic tank Davis has been trying to dictate, call out and dominate terms with Leo Santa Cruz and other respected champions in the game, decent people in the game and um, again, not interested. You're a wannabe Floyd, at best, at very best, a brawner, just a despicable human being, and I don't care what you do or who you do it against, as long as you're beaten each time you fight, because I've just no respect for you or your sort. Crawford and Pacquiao is still being rumoured. All stories are growing legs with this hacks. Nothing much to do in this weather, but with this lockdown in place, we had reliable word from our man Rowan Date in Man- that Manny and Mikey Garcia was being lined up and penciled in for Saudi Arabia in July, I believe. So watch that space, perhaps not for July now. Uh, staying with Bud Crawford, he and Jermel Charlo have been snapping at each other and shaping up and throwing shapes. And as Christy Moore would say, throwing Shiite shapes. And uh, of course, Charlo was flapping his gums on how he believed Terence Crawford and Earl Spence would plan out. But PBC fighters tend to talk an awful lot more than they ever tend to fight. So as much as we all want to see that fight, as much as we all can speculate how it might play out, I don't believe Heyman will ever allow his nest eggs to be pitted against the real best in the world. And with a little bit more pretending to Irish boxing, over the next few episodes I'm going to have a look at the BUI rankings, division by division, maybe get a couple of guests on to discuss how each one looks. I had a a conversation on the phone only this week with Mel Crystal, and wanted to just confirm a few things and make sure it was all okay with him. So thanks to Mel Crystal for taking the call and for discussing it with me. Offered to uh, invite him onto the podcast, but Mel is a gentleman, of course. He declined respectfully and offered some suggestions. So thank you to Mel. Hope you're keeping well. And that's coming in the next few episodes. We're going to look at each division in the BUI rankings and see what we think. And maybe we could get some opinions from the people listening out there so if you want to have a say on it if you want to come on and give me an idea what your thoughts are on it by all means get in touch you know where i'm at instagram facebook twitter or email endswellpod at protonmail.com talk now again is switching to carl frampton jamal herring it's now looking like it may take place in new york city with jamie conlon suggesting perhaps this time it may have to switch now from the original june 13th birth in belfast to madison square garden where the jackal has never fought so that will be a huge change it'll be a switch possibly a little minute advantage well a large advantage i guess to herring but it won't bother frampton one bit he will take on the challenge wherever it is wherever it is however it is 
and we'll see how that plays out. Just watch that space. Delighted to hear that Mr Dynamite, Conrad Cummings, intends to fight on. He's a phenomenal fella, a great guy. He's had his ups, he's had his downs, he's had his battles in and out of the ring. But he's always been a stand-up fella. He's always had good uh, comedic value as well on social media. He's 17-4, and four, which is still a respectable career. But out a shadow of a doubt. And if you want to doubt it, you want to throw shade on it, why don't you get off your arse and do something about it? Instead of criticising people like that all the time. Shout out to Conrad. Looking forward to speaking with him soon. Had a brilliant, brilliant conversation with Conrad's dad when I visited the club in Belfast last year. A phenomenal man as well. And it's easy to see, as they say, good ram, good lamb. So catch you soon, pal. As it stands, plans are going ahead for Mick Conlon to box in Falls Park on August 17. Hopefully, hopefully by then this dreaded in isolation will have lifted. But the plans are afoot to continue on and keep moving as we are. So look forward to that as well. And shout out to Mick, family and all the all the, the guys up there in Belfast. Hope you're all keeping well and keeping sane as much as possible. And last but not least, the domestic yabber is still carrying on between all of those uh, and the domestic scene. We're hearing this fella call out that fella. We're hearing that fella call out this fella. Look lads, let's just do it. Okay, let's just do it. It's getting old now. It's the same few snowballs been made in the background and been passed on then to be flung. Okay, it's getting boring now. It's getting repeated, repetitive. As the G-Train said, lads, let's not just waste any more time and let's just start doing stuff rather than yapping. My first guest today is Ryan O'Rourke. He's a standout, a former standout amateur boxer. He represented Ireland on the international scene. He's won many box cups and has had some really, really stellar performances in the green vest for Ireland. He turned over professional at back end of 2019 and he's been a man on a mission for the first quarter of 2020. He's turned 3-0 in the first little under three months. He's been busy and he joined me to talk about the highs, the lows, the dreams and what lies ahead for Ryan O'Rourke. Even like boxers that live be in camp, go gym, go home, that's it. Yeah, Literally yeah. Eat, sleep, gym, so that's like... Taking, you're just taking the gym away from it. So if you can exercise another way, you, that's kind of just normal life then. Yeah, yeah. And then you're kind of rest, analyze stuff, you're thinking, you're used to the solitary side of it as well. So it's, look, we're social animals, by, but but I have to be honest with you, I, I'm always been comfortable at my own company. So it, yeah, same with yourself. It, now, there is days where you feel yourself getting a little bit... <laughs> but uh, but um, how are you keeping anyway? You're doing. You're you're in a hurry, aren't you? Fucking three and three fights in three months, and you're you're blazing the trail. Yeah, under three months, like two and two and two and a half months. My dad got three fights in, so I was on. I was like blown through the first few fights, trying to get in as many as possible. That was that's what I wanted to do in the first year. I was literally just yeah, as many fights as possible, just to build a record. And I was on track to do that. In fairness, Ryan, it comes on the back of a, of a, a steady, successful amateur background. Do you want to go a little bit into that? Anyone that's not aware, Steve Rourke is, is Ryan's dad. He's running a tremendously successful and growing stable there in Inchicore. Yeah, obviously, my dad's my coach, so I started at a very young age, boxing. I'd go to the gym when I was young, train, and I had a four, like, probably a before fight when I was about nine. Then I had a good few fights through the amateurs, through the, like the Dublins and the Legs and all that. And then when I got to about 17, I'd stopped boxing for about 18 months. And then I kind of got back into it. Went full time then, like Ara. And I kind of semi-successful in the amateur career. I wasn't usually like great, but I thought I did alright. Won a few box cups and that. That's about it. And then 
the goal was to always turn professional. It was never really go to the Olympics, have a big amateur like career. It was always to be a professional boxer as a kid. My goal was always to be a professional boxer. Like, started in St. Catherine's and then went to Crumlin and Cabra and then we that opened up St. Michael's. You switched over the back end of last year, is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I announced it literally on the, the first eternity this year and then I had my first fight and toured it. Now, Sean McComb said something to me there a little while ago um, when I was chatting to him and he, he's taken his his amateur mindset and uh, work ethic into the pro game where his belief is that, look, take a couple of days off after the after the fight, but this thing a month's off, it's, it's and, and the, the McKenna said the same to me, this thing taking months off at a time, it just takes too long. So he's he's a believer of getting back in the ring, getting back in the gym, training, and getting his money under your belt. You were three, I know, after, we say, under three months. Yeah. Even with this thing, the way it is, we could look at the end of 2020 with you sitting at around all things being, all things going well, at least six or seven and all. Yeah, that was the plan. Like, same as myself, like, same, I'm taking amateur mindset into it. Like, when you're starting off your career, you don't want to really be taking two and three months out of the ring. Only doing four rounds, like, you fight, sometimes in a box club you fight three fights in three days, like, that's three rounds, only a round less. So when you think, like, doing a four round and then taking two months off, or three months off, like, I don't see the point then. So, I really just had a fight, took the rest of the, I fought on a Saturday, I take the rest of the weekend off, maybe the Monday and the Tuesday, and then again the Wednesday, back in the gym, training for me next fight, which would be three weeks away. And the same as that just went on for the first three fights. You've made the walk dozens and dozens of times as an amateur with the best. Yeah. You've made the walk under different coaches. It's a different animal now. There's there's a side of this game that's that's um a whole lot more rewarding, a whole lot more capable of filling your pockets. But there's also a whole other side of the business side of it that no not many want to see or or care to see. Um, you're lucky enough to have someone looking after that for you as well, aren't you? Yeah, I don't really like delve into that side of it so I'm kind of lucky somebody takes care of that for me but it, it can get ugly on that side like it can take up a lot of time it can stop you from fighting it can it can do a lot of stuff if you don't manage it correctly like so you don't want to be I don't like to go into that side I just like to stick to the box and think of a fight and that's it like I don't want to go I don't want to be on that side I just want to think boxing fight trying that's it when it comes to preparation, again, there's so many different types, there's so many different styles. Every every single fighter you meet on this planet will have a different, they might have a few same traits or a few same. For Ryan O'Rourke, what, what is it with you now? I know you're probably still adapting to this pro game. What would, be, what would have been the main things that you're noticing at the moment that you have to work on to adapt into this pro professional boxing? Kind of the obvious stuff, really. Just slowing the pace down for a longer round. You don't want to be going 100 miles, like 100 miles a minute. You kind of have time, you have more time in the ring, I feel. Just to relax, take your shots and sit down and really think about what you're going to do. Not just go, right, I'm in here, I need to throw as many punches as we can in the three minutes. I think it's fair to say professional boxing is more for the style. It's more about the, or sorry, it's more for the flair and the creative, whereas in the amateur, it's very, you really have to just focus on certain points, certain parts, yeah. and you have to perfect them. Yeah, like, you can have a bit more, like a, again, amateur, amateur boxing is about with sportsmanship and stuff, and then you go into the pros and you'll see, like, very out there characters, and very, they have, like, a lot of flair about them and stuff like that. It's, 
lot more in the pro game. Wouldn't really get that in the amateurs. It's a lot more about entertainment and stuff, and that side of it as well. Like high score, like not just throw as many shots and try land as many as you can. Like it's really scoring shots. Come when you around, like for Mayweather, probably won a lot of his career on five or six good quality scoring shots. Like won him around for a lot of his career. There's a lot of people you'll hear going around saying hit and not get hit, and to me, yeah, to me that's like saying swim and not get wet. And I know that sounds yeah. like another cliche, but to me, when I say boxing, it's hit and not get hurt because you can't really if you're if you're a boxer, it's, yeah, you can't not get hit. You're no. gonna get hit eventually. Yeah, you are. You really yeah. are. And and hit and not get hurt too often because again, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a building all those things and taking those levels up from from the fights that you're going to earn now in these early days. Um, is the style, Ryan, something that you're conscious of? Is it something that you're trying to adapt? Is it something that you're trying to develop? Or is that so, you're just happy to let that be natural? Uh, I felt like I've always had a like a pro, pro-am style. I've never really been a fully-fledged amateur on my toes, bouncing around. I've always had to sit down. Anyway, Like I've never, I've always had a pro style about me, so it hasn't been too hard to kind of switch over. So it's been alright for me, but I know for some people it can be kind of a bit more difficult. I felt personally for me it hasn't been hasn't been too difficult. There's so many double edged swords. You spend too long in the amateur game and the amateur ranks and boxing yeah, at elite. It can just become you, you just really can't and, and the best example of this and I mean this from all due respect is to Michael Conlon. Nick was the probably one of the best John John Evans, some of the greatest amateurs we've ever had. Yeah. And it's taken them such a long time to shake off those amateur traits. Yeah. And now they're in they're in full flight now and, and the sky is the limit. But um, it must be exciting, Ryan. If we're being honest about it, when you get through talking about boxing and you talk, you're a professional athlete. It's 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 what all yeah. it's what everybody. I suppose if we're being honest, every young man, every young boy dreams. Whether it's kicking a ball, driving yeah. a race car, something we, we want to be professional athletes. Has yeah. that kind of hit home yet as well? Uh, I don't think so. No, I've kind of really just I've had not really time to think about it. Then, like I finished the amateur boxing career in November and then in January professional athlete so I kind of haven't really had time to sit down and think about it just straight back into it just boxing really I don't really look as an amateur or pro I just look at it as boxing Was that always the goal 2020 being the, the target? Yeah I feel like 20 is the right age for me to turn over when I like at 18, 19 I wasn't as developed as I am now and I've, as I said I've never really wanted to go far as an amateur I've always wanted to turn professional so the second I felt I was ready to do that like switched straight over and started if I look at your stable mates and from your dad down there's so many similar traits you're great guys like you're, you're stand up fellas you look you in the eye you'll stand there you'll talk to you they'll tell you what's what they're not shy in coming forward like from Tony Vic Roy whether it's Christina before that was there and your dad as well more than willing to have the crack I can just imagine when, when he cracks the whip or blows the whistle or whatever it is he does or both no one has to be told twice it's a no that's it it's a, it's a good balance in the gym of knowing when you can have fun when you have to work like I think that's me dad's installed that in the gym like it's it's you want to go training but you know when you go training you're going to have to work hard and really put the effort in I love the moniker silent assassin because there's many assassins out there there's many hitmen out there yeah. there's many tell me if I'm right on this or not the silent assassin almost sits with the silent gym there's no one really talks a whole lot they just go out and they do what they do and they stand on the record and I think you can look at that through the lads all the way down whether they've boxed Tony in international. Phenomenal fella. Love, me and him could listen to music all day long and the next day as well. I just love his taste. Vic is the same, but you don't talk a whole lot. 
No, there's not a lot of, tr- like, as you say, trash talkers in the gym. No. Everybody kind of just knows you have to do, go out and do it, like, do the talking with their hands instead of with their mouth. Tell me this. Um, I know there's Manchester connections as well. I was chatting to Kieran Farrell the other night and your dad and everything else. Uh, can we talk about music and, and preferences and all that? But please tell me you have a few uh, Manchester-based bands that you love, do you? Oh, obviously Oasis, a little over Oasis, yeah, have a few of them, a few of their songs in the playlist. The Roses and the likes of them, yeah, that's the home really of really good music, isn't it, Britpop? Yeah. Looking at the welterweight division, from an Irish point of view, let's just keep all the, the, the let's keep the rest of the world over for the time being. It's stacked, full of Irish boxers at the moment. On a domestic level, you could have the likes of Sen and Kelly, Aaron Gethins, I think Keane, is Keane McMahon still well at welter as well? I think so, he might be going up. Rowan Date and the likes of that. Then you're looking at Dylan Moore and you're looking at Johnny Joyce, you're looking at Lee Reeves, people like that. How do you see, or I suppose that's in the next few months and years planning out for Ryan O'Rourke? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to stay at Welter. I might be going down to Light Welter to see how that fares. But yeah, there, there is some very good boxers in the Lightweight and, oh, sorry, Light Welter and Welter division, but I'm just looking now to build new record up, get sixes and eights in, and then after I get probably two and six, eight, two sixes and two eights, then start off for looking for titles, but as of now, I'm just still building new record, I'm only three and all. Like. Yeah, three and all, and even if we did go to light, I mean, if I'm off the top of my head, I'm thinking Tyrone McKenna, Sean McComb, uh, uh, Ray Moyle, there's a few tasty ones down there too. Yeah, that's, if, if, that's, when, that's a packed division. It is, and you know what it is? I believe, and I had this conversation with the G-Train, shout out to Graham McCormick there, I had it with him yesterday. I believe, and this is maybe the optimist in me, but I believe when all this get this new normal switches back to the uh, to the brand new normal, I think boxing and sport are going to be what kickstarts this country, and I think it could be a clean slate, and there's so much talent in this game for, for Irish fighters just to be to be testing themselves against each other. Well, phenomenal weight divisions, and particularly all the way up to middleweight and probably super middleweight as well. Yeah, there is there's so much talent in Ireland and kinda of, we're all only getting we're all only getting started, so I'd say in the next two to three years you'll really see Irish boxing like on the world stage kick off, start people start to win world titles and that. Yeah. So it'd be would be great. I think and I've said this before, I think we need a st- we need a uh, a barn burner. We need a huge we need an international uh, tree arena or Lansdowne or something like that, whether it's Dennis Hogan and Spike, whether whoever the case may be and fill the undercard under that, where you'll bring the international eyes of the world into it. You'll bring the you'll bring the promoters, you'll bring the money, and that I think is what will catapult it, and that's what will be the catalyst to start to show us off around because it's not going to take yeah. a whole lot. The talent is there, the will is there, the love is there, and the support for you lads. I mean, what's it like, Ryan? The last thing I said to you, what's the support been like, and and the, the goodwill? The support has been good, but it's kind of been difficult to get people across because every single one of these fights have been across the water in England, so. I haven't got, I haven't fully yet experienced like a like a home crowd for myself. I'm still waiting to do that. I can't wait to fight in Ireland because my first few fights have all been in England. So I haven't fully experienced that yet, but I can't wait to to experience it. Well, tell us where can people get in touch with you, Ryan, and how can they reach out to you? Where where will they find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ryan O'Rourke ninety nine and uh, Twitter on Ryan O'Rourke underscore ninety nine. And keep an eye out for Ryan O'Rourke over the coming months and watch him grow because he is a, he's a great guy, he's a great talent. Look him up on social media, 
check out his stable mates. You're going to see and hear from quite a few of them over the next coming episodes on Enswell Boxing. Before we knock seven bells out of Ryan, let's have a look at what's worth looking at this week and listening to. For me, going to listen to my pal, the Egypt himself, and big shout out to Billy Schwer across there in Luton and in Yorkshire, I think he is now. Of course, was on here not so long ago with me. He's on with Tris on Boxing Life Stories. Haven't listened to it yet, but I'll put the link in the notes below. My brother, my bro, in Australia, against the Ralps. Uh, Nick, of course, has an episode out I just listened to this morning. Shout out to you, Nick, and thanks for the messages. Looking forward to catching up soon. Stay strong, keep the chin up, and uh, stop messing with the haircuts, brother. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan has Chris D'Elia on this week. Haven't listened to that one yet, but he's a super, super comedian. One of my favourites, and really well worth listening to. He's hilarious, he really is, and how he does stuff on the fly is is incredible. you got to see it and hear it to believe it. I think his special dropped on Netflix this week some stage as well. I must have a look for that. And for a little bit of True Crime Garage this week, bit Nick and the Captain, I was listening to the McMaster's uh, crash I think, story in America, and it's a, bit, it's a bit gruesome, but worth a listen to nonetheless if you're into true crime. For Netflix, I've binged Caliphate over two nights. I think there's about ten episodes thereabouts. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it's serious, it's hard-hitting, and it's very, very, very real, and it's well worth a watch. Need to concentrate a little because there are subtitles at parts, but it's phenomenal. Really well done. Watched Goon last night, and uh, I was a bit of a goon because I had more than a couple of beers in me, and I uh, let the handbrake off yesterday for a bit, and I don't know. Watch it yourself. It's, of course, stars Ray Donovan and Stifler. I can't just remember the, t- the name of the actors off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah, it's light-hearted. It's easy to watch. And last but not least, I watched that Tiger King bonus episode. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Just, But uh, I know my pal down there in Limerick, the G-Train, has been absolutely engrossed in the Tiger King, and I think between himself and many the rest of the country and most of the rest of the world has uh, have been... It's been very good, it is very good, it's worth watching, but at times it's just beggar's belief. iPhone or Android? iPhone. When you're making a sandwich, do you cut it in half or do you cut it in diagonal? Half. Have you a favourite quote? Uh, I don't know, I'm not really a man for quotes. Not stuff, no worries. For uh, on a rest day or a, or a down day, an off day, what what do you do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing. Good stuff, good stuff. Man after my own heart. Will to win or way to win? Will to win. And uh, have you a favourite band? Oh, probably Oasis. I've kind of adjusted this question a little bit. It was Beatles or Stones or Blur OS. So you've just hit one out of four. So you're happy yeah. out there. <laughs> right. we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll keep it PC. We'll keep it safe then. So who's the best fighter in the world that no one knows about? That no one knows about? Yeah, well, or not many know about. Can you be a world champion? I know I know the road you're going here. Now, there is a few that, man, that a lot of people don't know. But yeah, so go for it. Uh, I'd probably say Rig and Dell. Remember, yeah. Bang Willie Casey. I do. I used, to love, I used to love watching him. I couldn't imagine too many people outside boxing know him. A little bit of crack there with Ryan. And it's important to keep the spirits up, to laugh. And, and part of what I'm trying to do on a daily basis is add in to my content for listening to or watching is comedy. And to just to laugh. And an old belly laugh every now and then makes a massive, massive difference. It's brilliant to laugh and it makes a difference. Most people are doing well these days. 
Uh, personally speaking, I have had more good than bad, which is always brilliant on any given day and in any circumstances. It's brilliant. Some though, some are struggling. Um, some people may have been going through shit before any of this landed on us. So this phase, the virus, it's exasperating things. It's important that we check in on our friends and, the, and our loved ones. And I don't just mean brothers or sisters or girlfriends or wives or partners. I mean nearest and dearest. And they might not be next door. They might not be in the next county. They might not be in the same province or country even. But it's not hard to put some meaningful thoughts and emotions into message. It, rather than just, hi, how are you? I've got an inner circle who, most of which are healthy. Uh, most of which have never been sane. So this is probably suiting you lads. Where you know who you are very well. But... We are going through some peculiar times, times that have been unprecedented. You can't even compare them to war times or post-war or pre-war. It's very, very unique and very unusual. How can you help someone that's going through some shit? How far would you go? For me, I drive the length or breadth of the country for that person. I can see and I can feel from a lot of what they don't say. The ones I'm only talking about my own nearest and dearest of my circle. Uh, orders, isolation rules and all that would not if I thought one of mine were really struggling and really, really needed, I'd do it, regardless of... You can call that reckless. You can call it what you like. For me, I message regularly. And there's a couple you might not get a reply from all the time, anytime. I'll make it an open question. So I'm not necessarily waiting on a reply. Not necessarily demanding or putting anyone under pressure. Realising that they are feeling that little bit of a pinch and that little bit of anxiety. But also knowing that there's someone somewhere is thinking about them. And do that on a regular basis. Just to say, hey, how's tricks? You know I'm thinking about you. Keep the chin up or whatever it is you are. You're amazing. Whatever the case may be. Whatever the message. Don't allow COVID-19 obsessions to cloud the reality that there are a lot of people going through a lot of issues. And as I said, it may have exasperated. So check your circle. Check those special people in your life. Trust your gut feeling. Reach out. When we talk in boxing terms, time can be deceiving. It can go slow, it can go quick, it can stand still for some. For Dennis Hogan, 2018 points decision win over Jamie Weech set him up for what was going to be a phenomenal 12 to 18 months. It led into the 2019 fight in April with Jamie Munguia, which turned out to be a majority decision loss for Hogan, but the boxing world widely acknowledged that was a win for Hogan. On reflection from that fight, Dennis... Danny Demas, Paul Keegan and the gang at DPP Promotions looked at all the offers. They weighed up the odds. And they stepped up to challenge Jamal Charlo for his WBC middleweight title in December 2019 for what was a huge, huge ask. A phenomenal fighter, Charlo, I believe right now, the best in the middleweight division. And we'll see how history reflects on him in time. But I believe right now there's nobody in a hurry to face Charlo. It was a calculated risk, which may not have paid off in the ring for Dennis. But here he is now to talk about that fight, about the Munguia fight, the offshoot from all that went with it, and on this hurricane or whirlwind, 14 months for Dennis Hogan. Really that big a deal, really. Bit of keo surgery just to, just to fix up the meniscus, which is like the absorption part of the knee. Uh, we, we just looked at everything as a whole, because I just said, look, I just want to make sure that for the next four to five years, um, that you know, nothing happens again or whatever. So he gave it a full look around and just said, "Well, if that's the case, 
Um, your ACL is under a little bit of pressure there now, so he shaved back a bit of bone as well while it was in there. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's 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 an opportunity, if anything else, Dennis, to get the running repairs done while while you're before you build a camp or before you start anything else. So it's 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 just one of those things that you're you're using, and the positive mindset and the outlook is only going to make the the, re, the repairs and the and the recovery even quicker, isn't it? Well, that's exactly it. And believe it or not, um, now that we've looked at that one, because. Throughout, in my mind, throughout the, like I know my body are good, I know my muscles are good, I know everything else. The only thing that you would really worry about, and I'm well, not even worried, but uh, is the knee because it just takes so much impact through all the running and all the uh, explosive work and everything down through the years. That um, that you know, now that one of them is is 100% good to go for the next four to five years at least. You know, in terms of the volumes that I do, I'm also thinking maybe after my next fight, I'll have the next one looked at just to be sure, <laughs> just so I know I'm 100%. You know, it wasn't even that sore to be honest, but it was popping and clicking. So that does put you off quite a lot when you're throwing uh, body shots and stuff. And you, of course, it does, and 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 the human element as well. The human side of us thinks then the worst. You're you're going to think, oh, was it this? Was it that? Was it the other? So now you know for sure, yeah, it ain't going to click no more. So you just got to get his neighbor done the next time round. Then you'll have no more pops or. Click down there you'll be good that's it <laughs> I know yeah oh it's um, funny that I've reached that stage in my career but uh, other than the joints there and the knees I feel like the rest of it's all good to go so and the most important part of the brain so I'm still feeling good still enjoying it and still very determined do you know what it is I can hear the pop I can hear the click I can hear the viver and the the, uh, the enthusiasm back again because as expected and, and it's no secret and it's no there'd be something wrong if it wasn't when I, when I chatted to you on and off after the fights there was that little bit, of, and, and that's to be expected because you're a deep-thinking fella. You would be analysing your own game. You'd be looking at and thinking about more so what's coming down the line. And now I can hear it back. It's there. Not that it ever left or ever went too far. It was just, it was that ponderous thought, I'm sure you could think. How, how have the last few days and weeks been for you? Apart well, from the surgery, oh, I suppose, so I, and, and, and the new boss well, in town. Well, yeah, yeah. No, li- no listen, that, that's been brilliant. Um, just such a such a great baby just um nice and relaxed and everything has gone to plan and she sleeps really well and then and then obviously then there's uh Bredine's done brilliant again she's just uh she's just incredible with what she does but aria also she um she's been a great little sister as well you know she's two and a half and she's very very nice to the baby um she does look for a little bit more attention off me as well which makes things a little bit hectic but uh but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. So um, the dynamic in the house has been really good. But in terms of boxing, you know, we got back in and uh, we uh, we obviously had a chat about the last one, the last camp where I felt that I'd uh, overworked a bit. And we had the right conversations and we communicated really well. And um, I was very, very happy with how it was going again. So I, we, we built up, uh, we'd gone back to the to building the base. And um and I had built some good base and the fitness was good and the weight was coming down and, um, you know, obviously working on a few little things there. But everything was where it needed to be and then obviously this popped along. But, you know, this happened at the right time. We were looking to get in in May, uh, back out in May. And uh, I don't know if I told you the last time, but um, PBC had told me, you know, uh, going into Fight Charlo, they said, listen, if you're unsuccessful in this, in this challenge against Charlo, 
you are only again one fight away from uh, uh, from one of the champions at 154. So they've kept their word on that, and um, and that's uh, you know it's very it's very motivating. So once I got back in and started training, I mean, again, like you said, I'm a deep thinker as well. So if you didn't see myself, I do a lot of soul searching, like I did after that fight in Germany. I do a lot of soul searching um, and say, you know, why did this happen, and what could I have done better? And I just look at all aspects and. I end up taking a lot of notes and looking at everything, and um, yeah. I got back into it again, looking at everything, and I just felt one hundred percent now, like you know what, back to my weight again, doing make do doing all of these things better, doing camp better, and um, I just feel you know I feel a, a million dollars again, and and I know the world championship is there for me to take, and I will be getting it very soon. To say it's been a whirlwind twelve months. We chatted round about the end of January last year for the first time, and it was a mind blower for me. It helped me open my eyes to a lot of things. I thought I was waking up. It allowed me to find the empath side of myself that I didn't really know existed. I knew there was a lot of stuff there that I didn't know why, but it was allowed me to join those dots. And since then, it's been it just it's just been every day there's been something, you know. So it's learning to manage that, manage your own emotion, and and how how to just how to balance everything. But for yourself, twelve months. You've had two biggest fights on the world stage and the biggest stage. You've had a new arrival. You've got this amazing new deal with the PBC. Your mind, your body, your everything is fit and strong and ready to go. It's, it's, it really is just, it's the dream, isn't it? When you consider when you left for Australia not that long ago in terms of, of the real life, real world, with the promise to your granddad, your dream and everything else. Do you ever take it t- take time to step back and look and think, now we're here, now we're going to deliver? I do, I do. And um, it really hits home too because I do some public speaking. And what I really love is, is standing there telling people some of the, the tools that I've used and where I've come from and, and where I plan to be. And then and then on fight night, I love that bit of, I'll, we'll call it pressure. It doesn't feel like pressure, but I love it when I'm walking out and I'm like a lot of people that would have uh, uh, paid me to speak are there in the crowd. And I'm like, I've talked to talk, now it's time to walk the walk, you know. And so um, I love putting it out there and I love going off to fulfill it. And... 2019 itself wasn't um, wasn't you know the, the wasn't the outcomes I was looking for in terms of the fights. They were brilliant fights. Uh, one of them, I, obviously, you know, the one in Mexico, I felt like I won. But the one in in New York, I didn't get the win. So right, so there's there's always that. I believe there has to be two parts here. One that's grateful and, and very happy that you've got to that point and can be um, happy in that respect. But I believe there's another part of me that can't be happy with that, that has to want to see what I could have done better and what I can do better for the future. So I embrace both sides, the duality of that, and I, and I take both on board. I see where I've come from. But again, I'm still not 100% satisfied because... I want that. I want bigger. I truly know, and I've got myself to the place that I know I deserve better. That I know I'm better than some of the champions there at 154. But just to finish it off, uh, this year I feel this is going to be this is going to be and emulate the actual visualization that I've seen so for so many years. That moment that your hand is is is, is raised in victory, and that and that feeling that I felt throughout all those meditations and visualizations. I I know I'm very very close to feeling those, and and that really makes me feel very very good. There's so many different layers to everything. You can look at everything. Nothing is ever one dimensional in boxing. It's always so many little layers you can strip back one and peel back another, and then you realize. Oh, there is something else there that you might not have seen. When I watched your fight back with Charlo, and I remember thinking that at the time, the bell went and you went across that ring. 
And I wouldn't say there was an Irishman or certainly a person that knows you or loves you looks thinking, oh shit, the size difference. He just looked like this immovable object, but he wasn't immovable. And you proved that over the six, seven, eight rounds. You faced all the adversities. When you, when that bell goes, I've seen you in your mind frame. I've seen you in that place. I've seen you transcend, if you like, at, at times. Is it for you, you just see the target, you just see and the plan and you start going through the plan A, B and C? Is that what is that how it works when the bell goes? Yeah, I mean, um, the game plan just starts to uh, present itself, you know. I, You know, it's always the same for me. So I, I get in, I, I look at him, I do a few things, see how he reacts. And then I just start creating patterns. And I, that, that's it, I'm just, I'm just focusing in the zone. But um, I, I, did, I did notice the size of him um but that didn't that didn't bear any weight on me whatsoever it no. didn't didn't scare me didn't make me change anything about it anything else um throughout that fight and you're right in saying that every single person that i spoke to said when they seen both of us in the ring at that time they all went oh wow yeah the size of this guy um i mean i noticed that the way and the size of his back i went hold on here where are we all <laughs> everybody you know, we all look skinny on weigh-in day, but still his back was like, he was huge, you know? And then and then I was like, yo, when he rehydrates, that's going to be absolutely massive. I got in and I started, I started working. In the second, At the end of the second round, he hit me a hook and hit me on the bicep and the absolute pain of it. Now, he, 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 he did burst it. Um, uh, I didn't even say it to my corner around like that. And you know what? I didn't even want to acknowledge it. Um, and I, I don't... The only way, I, when I look back, I don't think I did anything different because of it either. But when I do look back, I seen, I was still f- uh, flicking my jabs nice and fast, but I was lowering my left hand. But you know what? That bear no weight on the actual fight itself because I wasn't hit I wasn't hit because of a lower left hand. So it, that made no difference whatsoever. But what I'm, why I'm telling you that is because the power of his shot was just like, Jesus, there was all my, all my arm was bruised. Like, down well past my elbow, was all bruised after that. So then, that was the first time I noticed the power. And then, um, and then after the, I, I, I'll just, and I have to say all credit to him and his team. How, he, when he hit me with the, on the fourth round with that shot, that was so well planned. I don't think anybody that wasn't in the position that I was in, in the ring, would really have known how masterful that shot was. Because, because, what what he was what he what he did in, in in doing that was he was stepping back and he was making it. I don't know if people noticed that. People were saying a lot of people said to me, Dennis, you actually came in with your head down a lot of the time, and I'm and I'm thinking, yeah, because because I was trying to come in fast, and as he moved back, I knew what he was looking to get, and sometimes I had to move my head in an awkward position for him not to get me with an uppercut, and because you know you can't really practice with anybody. Uh, until you actually get in there against him, you know it's all on you. So you're trying to develop these these patterns and and do the right thing. But what he did when he caught me in the forearm was he had been moving back previously, and in my mind I thought, okay, I just need to come in faster now, a faster entry. So I came in, I went to feint the body and come up for a hook, but he didn't step back, and he just threw the uppercut and he just landed me perfect. So I, I did fall back and I threw myself over. And um, it was all good. wasn't worried. I got back up and I knew I'd survive five rounds, no problem. Um, but after that, I think uh, in round five and six, I, I definitely noticed that every time I was going back to the corner, um, my energy was waning a lot. Mm. And I have to say that that would have been the power difference 
the size difference, the power in the shots were starting to take effect on me. Now, that's not happened to me in any fights up to this point. So that was a different uh, experience to anything I'd ever experienced. That middleway power that, that, that he was landing on me was actually uh, sucking some good vital energy out of me. And I'll tell you where it all came to a head was that last knockdown that he hit me with, Fair play to him for doing that. I do hold myself very accountable, though, because I was in one spot for too long. Um, uh, he did set it up in the sense that he had thrown a lot of right hands that I was able to dodge, but it, but but um, but he did just fake the left hand and then throw a hook, and I should not have been in the same spot for that long. I didn't do it from Mungia at all, uh, but I did do it there, so I'm taking full responsibility for that. And when that hit me at that point. Um, I was pretty dazed and I, I thought I was okay but when I went to walk forward I walked off to the left and that was the end of the fight and so and so looking at that you know people would say you know oh he was just too strong everything else yeah he was very strong and it was taking a toll on me but I still know that I'm responsible at the very end for not moving when I should have at that point do you know what I mean yes. so when I look at that I know that I could have done a whole lot different and that's how I see that fight and, and the difference in it I'm thinking here I, <laughs> and I have a note here as Nick Noonan had said Jesus mate you're being hard on yourself and he says this to me all the time he says you're really he's he's really hard on himself and I said yeah I agree but that's the difference with a champion and a no and a contender that's the mindset it's the you look at everything in minute detail you people can't the very few outside of Glen and a few of your trusted inner circle can come to you with something that you haven't already seen or spot that's not to say that you're not open to it but the analysis and the work and the insight that goes into getting you guys to face a warrior, a world champion, who, let's face it, nobody wants to be in the ring with Charlo right now. There's nobody in America queuing up to sign that contract. Nobody. And Yeah, uh, uh, apparently there was 10 people that said no to him before. I would even believe it, Jim. begged by PVC to come up and fight him. I'd well so believe it. Right and, for, and for the rounds that you were there, Dennis, and this is not blowing bubbles or blowing smoke or doing anything else. You took it like, you took it the way anyone that knows you would take it. You gave it everything you had and you went out in your shield. But, I have to say, when 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 that when that referee waved it and he called you to him and we could see, I was like, thank God, because in that moment, and this has not been horrible, it's not been wishing anything on you. In that moment, what flashes before your eyes is our five warriors that we put in the ground last year and how very fine the lines are. And when you see, when you don't have a referee that's conscious, responsible, and actually cares about the two fellas that are in there, you think, okay, he'll he'll fight another day, he'll win his title, he will get the belt around his waist, but he has to get to that day. Yeah, I, I feel you there, and 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 there's also something as well, you know. It's uh, I always believe, and I believe the performance gear too. Like I said, you know, you, when you're fighting somebody that's very, very good, I, I believe, you know, it's not about dodging; it's about rising to the challenge of that. And um, and so two things from the Charlo fight was 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 not only not only do I now see what it is at that level. I can now make the adjustments in my training to be at that level. I've seen that I was competitively boxing, but I just seen that the that the that the power was different, so I can make those adjustments now. At my own weight category, I don't have to do that. But it's like it's like so. If you're just if you another analogy would be if you're used to running up a, a certain a hill with a certain slant on it, right, and that's where you are, and then you got to run up this one that's very very steep, right, and you do that. Right, and then you go back to the smaller hill. It makes it easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I believe going back to one fifty four after challenging, after challenging Charlo and doing that, and and taking lots of positives from it. 
I believe now 154. I, I, it's just gonna be, may it's just gonna be. Um, I, I, this is, I believe this is my time now. Get back to 154 and go out there and absolutely have fun. Um, and beating the guys at that at that division because well, I mean what have I got to fear? <laughs> you know, not that I ever did fear anything, but after facing that and knowing that you were competitive, yeah. and it was the weight that essentially made the difference. Then what you know, what 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 could weigh on my mind? It's a different story when you know that you are actually good enough to beat the champions at that weight. Before, when you're working your way up, you just believe and you're hoping that you will and you're hoping that you're doing the right stuff and you got to believe that you will but now I know I've been there I've been at the levels and I know that I have what it takes and that completely changes how you carry yourself and and how you train and how you believe and how you feel on fight week and fight day and what you go out there and actually do so I'm very very inspired for 2020 before we leave the charlo fight Dennis I can't I can't not mention absolute spine tingling that way in and talk about rough, ruffling feathers and rattling the, the the champ himself. Incredible. How was that for you to walk out so far from either of your native, your homelands? Your, we talk about Ireland, we talk about Australia. To walk out in the middle of New York, coming up to Christmas, and to hear that raucous reply. How did that feel? Yeah, you know, I uh, I had expected it um, because I had gotten lots of um, lots of support in the run up to it, and um, you know. It felt good, but I, I actually didn't know that we were gonna. I actually didn't know we were gonna over overshout his guys, and they they did get rattled. Like some of his guys, one guy came right up towards the stage and start like you know giving a giving a, you know shouting at me, saying whatever. Oh, you're gonna get slept and all. And I went, that guy looks familiar, <laughs> and uh, and and I and I went, who is that? Guy? And so I went back. I don't know how it came about, but I ended up um, I ended up looking through world champions, and it was Anthony Durrell. No way! <laughs> and he was standing right in front. Yeah, I swear to God, the super middleweight <laughs> WBC champion, and he was standing in front of me, giving it to me. Now, now I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking, right? Well, you know, there's a little bit here to it, but there's not like don't read too much into it because again, at the end of the day. Um, you know he's acting a certain way, and uh, you know uh, again it is for the people too. I, I I feel like he didn't. I felt like when he came into this, he was he was just kind of carrying on for his people because a lot of people love that kind of stuff over there. Because I'll tell you, when when I was when I was going to go upstairs to the doctors, he was just coming down, and when I met him face to face at the elevator, he gave me knuckles. So um, and then he started to carry on at the way, and so that so that told me you know this is going to be. He's just going to carry on a little bit for his people and everything else. Mm. But that was fair enough. But when I struck back and the crowd started going off, I knew then that that got under his skin. He wasn't just carrying on anymore. He actually got a little bit like, oh, Jesus, like this yeah. isn't, this wasn't in the script. This, I'm the champion here. And there's a lot of ego there with those boys. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was fun, mate. It was fun. And I'm so, so happy to represent the countries that I do and for them to make such a, a noise over there. You know, it, it, it was, it was something very, it's going to, fun memories. And fun we memories. had, we had Desi O'Driscoll bouncing around the place afterwards. On that. He was ready to take on Darrell. He was ready to take on the two Charles. He was going to take on anybody that <laughs> presented themselves. He was amped to the last, but it was very clear, very clear. I know, uh, Charlo is not a New York native, he's from Dallas, but let's face it, the American are patriotic for when one of their own is fighting, they all get behind them. And they were well and truly, without a shadow of a doubt, rattled and outshone that day at the at the and it, and it just it was it was very special to see in here. I'm gonna let you go, Dennis. Before I do, I wanna just check with you talk to you about the team. 
And, and I'll tell you what strikes me really is, and I always believe this from my own time being GA and from my own time in what I'm doing now, you really realise what you have around you when things aren't going your way. And when we look at how Wilder and his team have disintegrated, I suppose, for want of a better word, since since the pressure came on them, since they were... I don't know what the word is. I, I'm, I'm conscious of not being disrespectful to him as well because it's very easy now for people to take away the, the plaudit from Fury and say what he did was because Wilder wasn't... When you look at the, uh, such... I, I can't speak highly enough about Glenn Rushton from what I know of him, what I've learned about him, what I've listened to him. And, and again, like with you, it's an awful lot of the time with him you get the impression it's what he's not saying that speaks the loudest. But I, I got yeah. a little bit of an insight into your lads, the likes of Zach and the fellas. They, they live and die this with you. And when you are in the ring, they're in the ring. And it, it's very much a united... It's important, isn't it? It's key to you. It's, it, it's, it's probably as key as you being in the ring as them being there with you, isn't it? Well, man, listen, do you know what happened? So, I, like, after the Mexico fight, and then after the, and then after the New York fight, I'm the, I actually feel like... Like being there for them, <laughs> like I, I, honest to God. So I, I get back up and I see everybody so so disappointed for me and all, and I'm actually feeling. I'm like, boys, it's all good. The vision is the same. We're, we're still on track. Nothing's changing, you know. Oh, and that really? and that and that sums it up, man. That sums it up. You know, they all, everybody wants it, and as we're in camp, we talk about it and we see it, and you know. And then I'm like, you know, don't worry, lads. <laughs> That's brilliant. I saw the one at Glenn after after the Mungria fight where Glenn was interviewed and, and he, he just, he had to compose himself a little bit. And that, their special... down a bit, yeah. Yeah, and their special moments because people need to realise that these are, these are the realest people you're going to meet. These are the most beautiful, real, living in the moment people that you're going to, that you can ever want around you. They're, they're, they don't do... The Love Island scene where they put their hand in their mouth and they pretend to squeeze out a tear. They don't do all that. So when you see something like that yeah. unfolding, you realize this is real and this is more real than, and, and they've been in these scenarios a million times and it, and, and for it to be like that, it's real. So it's, it's, it's very special to see that it's just a case of, of, of you in some case consoling the fellas, getting them together. I refer to, to Glenn uh, when I'm chatting to Nick as Master Splinter, the guy with the plan. He sends the lads out. Yeah, he puts yeah. the battle plan in place and, and he's the coolest one for, but, um, you're moving ahead yeah. now. You're, you're heading on into this PBC deal. Is it a case now getting the, you'll be back in camp shortly once you're off the crutches and everything. And wh- when are you hoping to get out again? When is the next one? Make listen. As I said, camp was going great before, and then so and so. Really, um, I just had a I just had a week off for this to get to see the physio and then the doctor and then the MRI and to, to get it diagnosed and then and then I got the surgery last week. So I'm only two weeks out, but I already was super fit already, like in terms of volume. So if I'm back training properly in the next two to three weeks, then which which they do think I will be, then we haven't really lost all that much. We've only lost about five weeks. Um and so we had planned on being out for May, but uh, I I've been in contact with Peter and I said late late June late June uh, would be when I'd be fully ready. So um so we'll go from late June to the twentieth of June onwards. So anytime after that, I'll be back over there. Uh, it's an unofficial title eliminator. So PBC have three of the four belts right now. Castano is going to fight. Patrick Teixeira for the WBO and if Costano wins that then PBC have the four world title belts. Now with me having an unofficial eliminator that means then I'll I'll be given a fighter to beat right and I beat that guy 
Um, then I've got they've I've you know the the the, the other three champions because one is two belts are going to be there and we'll do a deal with one of the champions because BBC has the three cha- has the three champions. So um, it's all there. They've kept their word. They 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 are they're very happy with me. Apparently, I've gotten a lot of great uh, value back because they're saying. Um, not only did I have the balls to step up the middle way and fight Charlo, I came to fight. Apparently, that's a big thing. Like I, I don't understand people not coming to fight because that's just not in my sphere of influence, you know. Mm. But but apparently, that's what a lot of people do with the likes of Charlo or other people. They come for a payday and like you know they don't give a great fight because they're not really coming to win. And so um, I didn't really know that that was a thing. But when they seen how I came and I was trying to mill into Charlo as much as I could, they really really. Uh, um, uh, Appreciate that, and they're willing. They, they like they want me to be champion and, and fight for them, especially with the support they would have seen uh, at the way in and in in there and all the support around. You know, an Irish world champion fighting now in New York more often than not uh, is something that will, will you know that they that they that they're interested in. So yeah, and the support over there and Sharky, we have to give Sharky a shout out there. He'll be delighted to hear that you'll be fighting in New York again because he's he's always rallying the troops and getting the lads together and he's messaging backwards and forwards and there's a big Newbridge crew. And and a big is that Sharky O'Neill? That's Sharky O'Neill, the man himself, Alan View Heights. <laughs> well, wait, 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 I tell you a good one about Shark. So when I, I I actually um backpacked around Australia two thousand six and seven, and I went down to Sydney, and I ended up staying in a block of apartments. Uh, with a lot of Newbridge people and that, and so they all everyone used to turn around and say to me, "Oh, you look like Sharky," and I had no idea how Sharky was until uh, until I met good mates with uh, Andrew Cleary. And then um, that was, uh, well, that's another one of Cleary's mates. He was good mates with Sharky when he was in New York. It's a very small world. Very, yes, very small yes. world. Yes, very, very small world. But he's <laughs> yeah, a he's a passionate boxer. Fan. Sharky, was, there's very few people who are following boxing as long as, as the likes of Sharky. I can remember watching him myself. I remember there's, there's a good crew, Robbie Maguire, and the lads around Newbridge that are watching it that were going to the Ricky Hatton fight. So for me now... To be able to shout the lads out and include them in what we're doing, tag them in and to get Ricky to shout out and you shout them out and people like that, it's it's special because I know what it means to them and I know what they mean when they see you on the stage and to see anyone that they can actually say, hey, that's my mate, you know, he, and, and mean it. They don't just say it for the sake of yeah. saying it. It's very special. It's very special. Last yeah. thing I want to say yeah. to you, Dennis, we, we'll, um, how is life, I, I touched this with Nick again, how is like boxing in Australia, boxing around the world has exploded really and it's brilliant to see. In Ireland, we're about to hit the Olympics. We've got the team going to the qualifiers next week. We're going to get qualifiers out of that. We're going to get medals out of, out of Tokyo. Special time in the amateur scene. A special time in the pro scene because we've got fighters in every weight class pretty much who aren't going to win titles. They're going to be deciding who does. You're going to have your title. You're going to have the title. To me, you have it already. As I keep saying this to you, it's a matter of just putting the jewellery around the waist and then having something to add to. But how has life changed? In Australia, boxing seems to be really, really grabbing hold now. You've got Drew, you've got Benny, you've got, of course, Didi, who was just incredible in her last fight. And you've got Abani, you've got people like that. Jeff, about to go at it again yourself. It's a special time, isn't it? And how has it changed for you since, since, do you find much has changed since being on that massive world stage? Or I know in your own mind, you've been on that stage for a long time, but has it changed much physically in the so-called quote unquote real world? Um, well, look, I mean, I mean, first, it's great to see how boxing has exploded. And again, as I said, when I left Ireland, um, there was nothing happening. There was no shows there because of the recession. So to to see how it's now flourishing 
is a, is a great thing because I actually I nearly felt like I was a little bit of a pioneer. You know what I mean in terms of <laughs> pro boxing. You only had a few people that was leaving Ireland to go pro boxing, but now you've got it left, right, and centre. You've got it all over the place, and uh, it's very very exciting to see. I got over here to Australia and I seen that the domestic league was pretty good. Now. What I what a lot of people don't don't didn't really know, and I actually actually believe it or not, used to get a bit of stick to those who didn't know, saying, "Oh, you're over in Australia thinking you're the big man." You know the way you'll get a few critics yeah. jumping online talking yeah. shit. But but in saying that, Anthony Mundine was world champion. Um um. Uh, uh, Daniel Gale's world champ was world champion, unified world champion, and those who got like and Gale, I was doing a lot of sparring with, and uh, you know, you had Jeff Fennick over here and all that. And a lot of those guys that were getting on talking shit to me, they didn't really understand um, the, the the level of world champions that have come from here. Like there's a there's a good few more too that I just haven't mentioned, but um, so it's been very strong over here. But what I'm starting to see now, and this was something that I always said that needed to happen. Well, what, what what was happening here was you go, you had a great domestic league and you had great fighters, but then travelling overseas, they they were sort of going from domestic league straight into world class, and the, the, you know a lot of them were getting beaten um, and knocked out in world championship fights, and then you know that would put down a name. People would say, "Oh, look, these are just getting knocked out." But what they need, what what I felt the place needed was was those in between fights, those top fifteen world ranked fighters. The, uh, and those fights to get up and work the way up and then be ready for the world championship. And Jeff Horn was the first that I seen that happening with, uh, apart from the likes of Daniel Gale and that. When the fighters have been, have been actually nourished, then you see them really going off and doing well. And that's what we're going to start, and that's what we've started to see here now. You're starting to see um, promoters investing and bringing, bringing war-rated fighters over here and then getting the, them getting the, the experience they need. So in the, in the time that I've gone professional to where it is now, I've just seen, as you said, an explosion. But the right thing's happening. And so um, it's great to see. And I'll tell you, like... Ireland has just been producing champions after champions in terms of uh, amateur and then going pro and um, and and the same as Australia. There's a there's a guy right now called uh, um, uh, Justice Hooney who I see and I chat to now and again. Like he used to be in sparring with Big Joe Goodall and uh, may I I'm tipping him for a gold medal at at, at the Olympics. So um, it's great to represent both countries and it's great to see both countries doing so well. Right, then it's, it's great to have you represent us to be honest with you and and as far as i'm concerned you're you're it's it's just going to be special it's going to make it all that the, the little bit of heartache we've had all along the road it's mild and i heard a quote last night getting to know what i don't know remember that one <laughs> and, yes, yes. Uh, about unhappiness and it's a f- funny thing about unhappiness is it's only when something really bad happens that you stop and you think well well, I really was happy all along. Thank you very much, man. And I must also say as well, um, um, the, the way you, you jumped in and you got these podcasts done the last year, uh, I, I, I think, mate, you've, you've outdone yourself. Uh, but what I love about yours is the, is the realness and the rawness of it. You know, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, you know, you're not trying to be anything else but just be yourself and you'll express your own opinions without giving a fuck about what other people will say and do and I may, I love that. So it's always a pleasure to talk to people like yourself in this world right now and in, in the game of boxing and everything. It's it's always a pleasure to meet real people. So um, I'll leave you with that. Honest, open, respectful, analytical and straight to the point. Thank you, Dennis, for your kind words and for your time as always. That's about it for me and them until then. This episode took a little bit longer than I had planned, but 
I want to get the quality right. I want to get the production right. I want to get the sound the way it should be for this point of the journey. Thank you to everyone that's been in touch. Stay safe. Stay sane. 